What's up? Welcome to Sweathead with Mark Pollard. I have Haley Gordon. She's from Colorado, Denver, Colorado. She's a strategist at BBHLA. And today we're going to talk about a program that BBH has been running for several years. It's called Griffin Farley's Beautiful Minds. Griffin Farley was a planner, is a planner. He passed away and he loved to teach people. And in the spirit of that teaching, BBH created this program. And we're going to hear a few perspectives in this episode. We'll start with Haley's. Uh, For what it's worth, I used to interact with Griffin when I was in Australia on the internet. Uh, He was part of that whole blogosphere of a long time ago. Uh, And I think what BBH has done in his name is a very beautiful thing to call it beautiful minds. Double beautiful, wonderful. Haley. tell us a little bit. Hey, how are you? First of all, welcome. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, tell us how you came across the program. Sure. So at the time, I was an executive assistant actually at an agency in San Francisco. And coming out of college, I knew that I wanted to go into advertising, but really didn't know whether I wanted to go into strategy or account management because I had interest in both. Mm -hmm. So I took a job as an EA just to get my foot in the door and ended up taking a lot of the strategists from the agency out to lunch and just picking their brains about about their you know day-to-day lives and what they liked about being in strategy and ended up getting close um, with one of I think he was a strategy director at the time and he said you know there's this great program if you're interested you should apply it kind of gives you a good outline and a good view into what it's like being a strategist in a very short amount of time but you also get to meet a lot of great people and and network with people from pretty much all over the country so that's very, very, very cool. And I guess the way that you got your foot in the door and then tried to romance yourself into a full-time strategy role, it's, it's pretty common. How did you feel through the, that, that period? Like, did you know that you wanted, how clear were you on wanting to be a strategist or account planner before you got in the industry? How did it become clear that that's what you wanted to do? How did it feel to have these maybe false starts along the way? Sure. So I talked to a lot of uh, people who are in school still about this. Um, I think it's something that's really important because the message of it's impossible to break into strategy is something that you hear, especially coming straight out of school. I'm, I'm the type of person that I'm kind of open to whatever, and I see every opportunity as really a learning opportunity and this sounds kind of cheesy, but you know, I'm, I'm meant to be here for a reason. So when I was coming out of school, I had only had a couple classes about strategy within my advertising program. Um, I was a double major in journalism with a focus in advertising and then also film. So I knew that I wanted to interact with people, which I did from a, you know, from a EA standpoint and then also from a strategy standpoint, but it was really hard to break in. And when I came out of school, I applied everywhere I possibly could with jobs that relate to strategy, whether that be a social strategist or a junior strategist, and then also applying to everything from an assistant account manager to a receptionist. Um, You know, at the end of the day, I was like, I think I want to join an agency and I think it would be awesome, but I want to make sure that I like the culture and I like the people that I work with because that's always my most important thing. And so, yeah, when I was an EA, I kind of looked around and saw what account management was doing and 
God bless them. They are very patient people, but you know, I was like, I, I don't want that. I don't want what they do. I'm more interested in finding a unique way to think about something. And I really like, um, I guess the observation of people I always have, I've been a big listener and I'm the youngest of three. I have two older brothers. And so I've always kind of been the person to stand and watch. Um, and so I love doing that with people. I love learning about why they do what they do. And that was kind of what drew me to strategy. Mm-hmm. When I started taking people out to lunch for my agency, I just asked them, you know, a wide array of questions. And each person I talked to, I found was number one, very smart in their own way. And number two, had a very interesting take on the questions that I asked and an outlook on life. Um, And that was something that I really appreciated. Mm -hmm. And there was a big part of me, to be honest, that I wanted to prove it to myself that I could do strategy. I heard from a number of people that strategists are always the smartest people in the room and people look to them for a lot of answers to questions. And and I was like... That's a complicated idea, that one. I keep going. (laughs) Well, at the time I was like, you know what? I want to be that person and I want to challenge myself. And especially being in an EA role while I was really good at it, you know, it wasn't intellectually stimulating Mm -hmm, enough mm -hmm. for me. And so that's why I decided to really go gung-ho into strategy mm-hmm. um, and really just try and get my hands on any type of project that I could. So I started out doing a lot of newsletters. I was the go-to man on the street person. I interviewed, there was one project where I interviewed over a hundred business owners, just walking into their business and asking mm-hmm. them what it was like. Cool. Um, and that was kind of my my way in. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I The pressure in America for young people to focus on career Mm-hmm. And and college debt and to specialize relatively young. I think it's unlike many other places. And when I hear stories, especially around the USA, and perhaps it's changed elsewhere. Although, you know, I was in Denmark and they're like, no, we get free education and people get jobs when they're 26, 27. That's like their first job. And that's a big generalization. That's not even accurate. But I heard stories like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Like in the States, people are coming out of college mm-hmm. with tens of thousands of college debt, way younger than that, and, and have to take their careers seriously and have to talk about careers all the time in a way that is definitely, to me, it's different than anywhere else in the world. And then I start to feel guilty because I think about a lot of the people I know in my generation and above, and we're like, uh, yeah, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, there's so many stories, for example, in the in the UK and Australia that I know of, of people kind of in the music industry. Uh, you know, I was running a magazine. I was also in agencies from the like 819, but a lot of people in music, in magazines, doing research, just something completely adjacent. And then they had a conversation with someone and eventually got a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we kind of just fell into it. And then I go around the colleges of the US and there's so much pressure on people to get that job and to get in and yeah. a huge part of it's not just the culture and the importance placed on career but that debt that people have and I'm like oh gosh I, I think I always get nervous about that like did you feel that pressure around the time as you um, left college into university into a job I was in a pretty competitive program um, the advertising program at my school is pretty well renowned And I definitely, definitely felt that pressure. There were the favorites of the program who went through, and I don't know if I necessarily was one of them. One, because I wasn't a creative, and two, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do yet. And that was something that I really struggled with uh, throughout the program and then after graduation, that there were some kids with jobs lined up, and they were like the 
you know, gurus of the senior class. But then I don't know. For me, I kind of had to take a step back and say, I took advice from a lot of people. I tried to talk to as many people as I could about what they do. So I had like some inkling as to where I was going to apply for a job. And so many people said, just enjoy your summer. Like go do something fun. You have your whole life to work. And that kind of attitude was something that I decided to just adopt through getting a job as well that like there's never a bad time to interview there's never I mean even if you're in a job you should still I think be interviewing just to like have that practice and and just to meet new people and to network and I know that so many students here it's all about who you know I have a lot of opinions on that statement, but at the end of the day, like the most meaningful relationships I've had throughout both college and into networking and then into jobs have been people who I've just really gotten along with from a personal level. And I'm like, you know what? I want to spend a lot of time around you. And so where do you work? Do you have a job opening that I you know, could fit into, et cetera? Mm-hmm. So I think especially, yes, to answer your question, in the US, I see that a lot and I see a lot of hungry advertising students come through both BBH and my old agency, you know, wanting to stand out. And I always tell them, just enjoy your time that you are just a student. Like you have all the time in the world. And I think it's really important that, especially for strategy, it's so important that your life experiences are what's going to define how you look at the world and therefore how you strategize, which is very general, but it's really important. And that's one great thing about advertising that you could be a bartender and then work in advertising. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to go, you know, get a creative portfolio and all this stuff. I think the best advertising always comes from a big diverse group of people Mm -hmm. um, with really different backgrounds, because at the end of the day, you're making ads for different types of people. Totally agree. I fired a bartender and her friends in the industry who were bartenders and awesome stories. Bartenders have to listen and notice and guess Mm -hmm. and sometimes avoid trouble just by looking at situations that haven't yet erupted. Uh, You know, and and I would say to anyone who's listening, I know this is a weird thing to say when you've been told that there's like a right way to do things and that the capital C career is super important. For sanity's sake, I think if you can think of it as a bit of a game that, uh, and not a game as in it's not important, but an important game that you want to play, but also, you know, we, we get socialized to believe that certain things are true and they're not always true. And a lot of people, as you're getting educated, you're getting educated to be an employee more often than not. I know that's not as much the case anymore. Um, and I'm kind of getting a little bit distracted from the conversation, but, uh, you know, I talked to my kids, my kids who are about to kind of get, well, one of them is about to enter high school and we're going through the application process and testing. And I'm like, look, it's just a game. Okay. The main thing is for you to try to enjoy learning, to be curious, to, uh, enjoy the practice of it, but it is just a, a game. It's not everything, even though it's sometimes it can feel like it's everything. And if you lose a job, it can feel like you've lost everything, you know? So it's hard to balance all these things. Let's get back into the chatting about the Griffin Farley sure. beautiful mind program. So it usually happens, I believe, in summer. What was the application mm-hmm. process like for you? Sure. So basically just went on the website. There, I think, was just an online application that you filled out and had the standard, who are you? But then it had three different questions that were trying to get an idea about 
the way that you think. And again, going back to what kinds of experiences have impacted you and why. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of strategy specifically is learning to explain how you think. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, we don't necessarily have creative portfolios full of beautifully designed work, but instead we might have our thought process and how we determine the solution to a problem. And that was kind of incorporated in the application. And so once I sent that in, I got an email back that said, you know, you're, you've been chosen for this. We'd love to have you. And I was fortunate enough, actually, that I was already at an agency. And I said, I think this could really help my career and what I want to do. And they had a fund. Um, we got $500 per year to go towards an education of some sort that will help you in your career. Mm. So I actually put that towards my flight to New York and then just, you know, couch surfed while I was there. Um, So they don't pay for anything, which sometimes is a deterrent for people going um, Mm -hmm. who are not in New York, but it is a really great learning opportunity. And I think that especially anyone in New York or in the area should apply for it because it's, you know, great networking and just a great way to learn. Yeah. And that is one of the big issues for people in the States. Because obviously, if you're in this in America and you're able to do anything like this, you're probably in the top, I don't know, one or 2% of the world financially anyway. It just might not feel like that at all times, at least top 5%, right? Uh, but as far as like the diversity and inclusion conversation, a lot of it's about who actually even gets to get in at the bottom level, or the, that's the wrong word, the entry level in New York. And there is a ton of nepotism. I've seen it. I've seen senior people boast about it, brag about it, about whose kids they brought in from particular families. It's horrible. Um, yeah. And so the need to be able to get here first and then to be able to live and eat, how did you find, how did you find all of the logistics and the financials to do with just living here? Sure. So when I went to Griffin Farley, it was over a weekend. So I basically like flew in the night before I stayed in an Airbnb for like dirt cheap the first night. And then the Saturday and Sunday, I mean, you're in it for hours. It's very long. It's a total sprint. And so Saturday night, I didn't get a lot of sleep, but I did just crash with a friend. And then Monday, I flew back right after the award show. Okay. Yeah. And I think it was July this year and there was like a, I'm just looking at the website. There was a, like a welcome mixer with mentors on the Friday. Mm-hmm. Saturday was workshop and briefing. Sunday were presentations and the finalist selection. And then on Tuesday was a finalist showcase. So it sounds like the format's changed a little bit since, since you attended. Yeah. Uh, did you have mentors and like what, what, what happened through those days? Yeah, I did. So I wasn't able to attend the meeting drinks, but then it was very, um, I don't want to say cutthroat because there were definitely more people that were more competitive than I was, but you're there to ultimately make connections that you can get a job or get into strategy for a lot of people. Luckily, I was kind of already starting the transition of being a junior strategist at my agency. So I kind of had a leg up, whereas a lot of other kids are either still in school or just got out of school and trying to you know, make something of themselves. But I definitely had mentors. The job I currently have right now is actually because of someone that I met at my program. He had been one of the judges on one of the panels to like give feedback on our project. And I ended up just keeping in contact with him. And 
I shot him a thank you note right afterwards and then also just kept emailing him, you know, like, here's what I'm doing. Oh, I got a job here. Hey, just checking in. Like, how's it going? What are you working on? That was one person. His name was Alex. Shout out to Alex Bearden. Thank you for this job. Mm -hmm. Then I had another woman who was the mentor of my group specifically, and she was awesome. She definitely had a different way of thinking, which was at the time, um, I think she was at Johannes Leonardo. Um, but the way that she thought was just, it made so much sense to me. And I talked to her th- both throughout the process and then for months afterwards of just, what was your training like? What did you go through? How can I do the same thing? What would that involve? And when I was looking to move to New York, this is a couple years later, I went and interviewed with her and I was like, hey, I'm in New York. Would love to touch base with you. Also touched base with Alex at the time. And yeah, I think it's hard to have a mentor that is across the country for sure. And who's not in kind of the day to day, Mm -hmm. but I still have so many people that, you know, I still talk to via email or LinkedIn or whatever it is, um, where I just want to, you know, keep them in my, in my phone book per se. Okay. What were the group dynamics like? Uh, that was something that I actually found to be the most interesting because, uh, when you get there, you know, you have a lot of different people from different agencies, talking about advertising, talking about strategy. Um, and it's this very much in a broad overview of everything. And then once you get the brief and you get to break out into groups, everyone has a strategy mind. So you have a lot of smart people in the same room trying to come up with an interesting way in and creative concepts. So that was definitely a learning moment for me. Um, I had great people in my group. Some were already in advertising, some were still in school and each group has a mentor. So, uh, she kind of let us brainstorm for a little while and what are our initial thoughts on the brief. And then she helped us kind of map out places to fill, I guess okay. is the best way to, to come across it. Um, so the mentors like with you shoulder to shoulder the whole time or do they come, do they come and go? Do they leave um, the building or are they there the whole time? They are there during the daytime. So you, you get briefed at about, I think it was like early afternoon and they say you have 24 hours until you present and that's up to you how you want to use the time. So our mentor would stay usually between an hour or two with us at a time and then kind of rotate rooms depending Mm -hmm. on how many mentors they have during that year. And they would just kind of help facilitate and check in with us. And then we ended up working like well into the night. Some groups were, they just like banged it out in a few hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we definitely worked a little bit longer on it. How many people in your group? Uh, There were six of us, I believe, five or six. And when you say it was a learning experience, like group works hard. Like it's hard. Like it's, imagine writing a novel as a group because that's, not exact. It's not a, an exact metaphor, but it's an extreme metaphor to say like, what's up with all the group work advertising industry? <laughs> uh, when you say it was a learning experience, what did you learn? Sure. So there are a lot of different people in the world and everyone thinks differently and works differently together. So if you've been in school and you've been on a team project and there's one person leading the whole way and one person who hasn't contributed to that, you know, it's 
not as common in the working industry, but it, you know, there are still those types of people in groups. Mm. Um, it's really just learning how to work together. I've always said that the learning curve when you start a new job, half of it is, you know, learning about the client, learning about the business, et cetera. But the other half is really just learning how to work with your teammates mm -hmm. and what's going to be kind of the best fit. Um, yeah. Some people like working in the mornings. Some people like working in the evenings. And for my Griffin Farley group, some people wanted to just brainstorm, brainstorm, brainstorm for forever. And then a lot of other people were like, no, we got to go, like make a decision. We, we, we need to go move on and, and mm -hmm. start a, a different process um, of the brief. So okay. uh, just you... learning how to deal with people, I think. Totally, and totally. How to collaborate. And if anything has become more apparent in the world in recent years, it seems like people don't really like people. Little secret there. And yet we're still working groups. I'm being, I'm being a little bit silly. Uh, did you discuss in an explicit way roles and responsibilities and workflow at the very start of your working together? Yes, a little bit. So I think one person really took over the deck and they were kind of in charge of taking notes. And um, there was another person in actually designing the deck. And then in terms of workflow, I think it was literally like, you guys, we've spent two hours on this. We need to move on. I felt like I was leading a lot of it and kind of just trying to keep people on track. I think that's my old account management heart speaking to me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's hard with strategists because, you know, you really don't have the delineation that you have on an agency of like, okay, you're going to go off and copyright, you're going to go off and design, which is important just because like, you, you know, you can't do everything, but it's also a, a huge learning moment for, it was a huge learning moment for me because I was like, okay, I have to understand the inner workings of what happens on a campaign. And I'm also going to have to have a hand in every single one of those. So as strategists, you know, we, we deal with really everyone in each department and that I think the program itself did a really good job of introducing that idea of, of being on each team and, and what they need to incorporate. Okay. Yeah. I think it's really important, especially in that, that first decade when you're working to work out roles and responsibilities and workflow as you're starting while still being flexible, but then to demand autonomy and accountability, I guess you could call mm -hmm. it accountable autonomy. And it's hard in these situations where you are competing not to look at every little interaction as a reason to either feel bad about yourself or better than yourself. And some people will have a bias towards one of those, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to what's going to get us, the team, where we need to go and who's good at the things that need to happen. And then if it's not working, let's, let's just talk about it directly and quickly, but yeah. allow autonomy, autonomy along the way. Because some people are introverted. They're going to be better working by themselves or in a pair. Six people staring at each other across the table. <laughs> may, totally. may, maybe, but also, you know what? Maybe not. Uh, yeah, what, and what, that oh, yeah. was something that we found. Um, you know, like I'm the type of person where I love to put stuff up on a board and rip down sticky notes and, you know, get it all out there and look at it and then put it into different categories. And I'm a very, you know, I'm on my feet. And some people are like, no, I want to be by myself on my computer doing research in a Word doc. So, yeah. Um, it's, you know, how to combine those two. Yeah. And then find the common ground through intellect and space. So common yes. ground space-wise could be, and usually is, a wall. Go do your work for an hour, come back and put up this one thing up on the wall. We know what we're talking about. We know the, the language that we're using. We know what we're trying to achieve in that hour and just put it up on the wall, right? And that's, you have that common ground space. But the 
intellectual common ground is going to be partly to do with language you're using and you know what's an idea what's an insight and all that stuff let alone do we want our work to be really provocative or sincere or earnest and yeah it, it, it's easier when you can work those things out hard under pressure on a weekend when you have college debt looming over you i'm sure <laughs> what was your brief and what did you present our brief was to increase usage of uber pool by x percentage in the u.s so Our idea we presented was this insight around Uber pool is sometimes awkward. Like you get in and you don't really want to say hi to people. Um, And we Mm -hmm. decided to flip that on itself um, Mm -hmm. based off of something that all of us have grown up learning and that's don't talk to strangers. So our kind of, you know, at BBH, you talk about a zig and a zag. Our zag was to talk to strangers. So seeing Uber pool, oh, excuse me, the whole thing was in New York. So we found that New Yorkers were one really unfriendly, you know, they have a reputation of not saying hi to each other on the street. So to combine that with Uber pool, where you have to ride to work or school with someone, is kind of like a death trap. So we decided to, again, flip it on itself and encourage New Yorkers to talk to each other in Uber pools. Mm -hmm. And so the way that we did that was across different types of communication. Um, The program just says, you know, how can this come to life? So we showed it in a couple different, you know, media placements on like social and then one out of home, um, bus shelter, et cetera. And they were just, you know, very strategy mock-ups. These weren't like beautifully designed things. Mm -hmm. Um, But we encouraged people to talk to each other in Ubers. Um, we had like a set of questions. It was kind of like thought starters within each Uber pool that you could like pull and talk about. And they were all in relation to New York. So mm-hmm. were they Yankees fans? Um, where are they from, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of our, our way into it. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, the Uber pool situation around the world is confusing. New York is friendly at times, though. Like there are sometimes, yeah. <laughs> there are little there are pockets. Like I, yeah. I love I love the US. Um, and look, granted, I, I do think I have to throw in the premise that I have to point out the fact that I'm a white man. So when I travel, it it is definitely different to friends who travel. We talk about it. They tell me it's different. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, not a lot of eye contact in an Uber pool. And apparently it's really inappropriate just to hug everyone as soon as you get in. <laughs> uh, but I think the thing with New York is like everyone's, a lot of people are here to get something. And so, and there are a lot of people, and there are a lot of people, I will call them unpredictable, a lot of unpredictable people. And you're like, look, it's just hard enough to keep my day sane because I'm here to get, here yeah. to get yeah. this stuff. <laughs> so people incubate. And in other parts of the world, you get in the car, there's a real expectation to have a conversation. So it's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, okay. Last, I'll give you one final question. If you were to go back in time, how would you do the Beautiful Minds program differently? Hmm. That is a great question. I think I would have two things. One, my team was very, very focused on the outcome. And I think if we had like loosened up, gotten a beer together or like gone and ridden in Uber pools or, you know, done something a little bit more social, we would have had a better bond together, which ultimately ends up having the work be better. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing that I saw with the winning team. Spoiler, we did not win. Mm -hmm. But the winning team, they were all just like so, they had such good team chemistry. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really important when they presented 
um, you know, that they were on the same page that they had, they were like, yeah, well, like we went out and got beers together last night and brainstormed and like, you know, not that you have to do it over beers, but just, they had that camaraderie and that Mm -hmm. each other's backs. And I think that we, my team specifically was very, very focused on the end goal and, you know, how do we get to the best research and the best insight instead of being, taking a step back and just, I guess, not necessarily getting, like we got along, but we were just very, very, task very oriented. focused. Ta- yeah. Like yeah. T- task and achievement oriented. I think that's a really insightful thing to suggest to people doing these things that the, the bonding is very, very important because it does loosen you up and being loose allows uncommon connections to happen in your head because you're not worrying about defending yourself. The, your fight or flight situation is not turned on too much. And then I think the second part that I was hearing and what you were saying is to take a slightly more casual approach. You probably could have, it would have cost a lot of money, but you probably could have driven around in Uber pools for half a day or a day and actually done the work in Uber pools and, and then spend an hour or two trying to get the output. With, and that's easy for me to say without knowing how much stuff you had to actually cr- create. But I, I think that idea of bonding and then trying to take a casual, uh, oh gosh, I was about to say immersive and I don't want to say immersive, <laughs> but like stick your head into the fire and maybe do yeah. the work while your head's in the fire. All right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I, that's really insightful. It'd be interesting to see if, if, if there was like some kind of Oh, what a plan! thing to say. It'd be interesting to see if people could track. <laughs> what are the results of this? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, 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 How it can we measure it? It subjectively rings true, and uh, yeah, I love that. Awesome, Haley. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing your experience with Griffin Farley's Beautiful Minds program, and congratulations on getting that job at BBH in LA. Amazing stuff. Thank you. Thanks for having me.